0: Hey, we're in this series talking about God is able, Um, had a message and then I got up here last night or yesterday and I was just praying and talking to the Lord and Lord kind of gave me a different direction and so we're going to follow what the Lord wants to do and we're going to go where he wants to go, so it's going to be a great day. Um, I'm going to read out of the book of Exodus at first, you don't need to go there, we'll have it on the screen for you. Uh, But that's where we're going to start today. Exodus chapter 31, verse 18, it says this. When the Lord was finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, Moses has gone up to the mountain to spend some time with the Lord. He's up there for 40 days. God is revealing truths and things that Israel needs. Uh, He was giving him two uh, stone tablets uh, inscribed with the terms of the covenant written by God's finger. Verse 32, verse 1, it says this. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. They said this. Come on, they said. Let's make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what has happened to this fellow Moses. This is a perfect example of human nature, okay? Human nature is impatient. Human nature is constantly, I want it, and I want it now. I don't want to wait. I want things to happen when I want them to happen. And Moses has gone up the mountain, and it's 40 days, and they're wondering where Moses is. And so they go, you know what? Who knows what's happened to Moses? He's up in the mountains. Who knows if this guy will ever come down? And I love that the Bible says this, that they said, this fellow, Meaning this, really what they're saying is they're degrading his authority that God has given Moses, okay? And this happens all the time, especially in the church, okay? People get frustrated at leaders in the church, and they'll talk bad about church leaders behind their backs, and they'll kind of degrade them because they're frustrated about a certain situation, or they're frustrated about timing, or they're frustrated about things that are happening. And it goes on and says this in verse 2, it says, Aaron said... Uh, "...take the gold rings out of your ears and your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me." Verse 3, "...all the people took the gold rings out of their ears and they brought them to Aaron." Uh, Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. How many of you have seen, you know, the old movies with like Moses, you know, every Easter and, you know, they're melting down the gold and they're making the golden calf. And it says, when the people saw it, they yelled out, Oh Israel, there are God, this is our God who has brought us out of the land of Egypt. Verse five Aaron saw how excited the people were. Isn't that amazing? How leaders will switch really quickly because people's praises will start leading them instead of the voice of the Lord. And Aaron saw how excited they were. So he built an altar for the calf and he announced that tomorrow we'll have a feast for this Lord. Verse six says this, the people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings after this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, including pagan rituals. Verse 7. Uh, the Lord said to Moses, Quick, go down the mountain. Your people who you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they've turned away uh, from the commands that I've given them. They have melted down a gold and made a calf, and they have bowed down to sacrifice, bowed down and Sorry, they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. And they have said, these are our gods, O Israel. It's amazing when there's delays with the Lord, like I said, how impatient we get. And we have to understand that God's timing in life is not always our timing, okay? God's timing in the course of mankind is very different than our timing. Okay, especially in this Western culture that we live in, especially, you know, when we grow up with McDonald's. I mean, thank God for McDonald's pancakes. Can we just give it up for McDonald's pancakes? I mean, you get them hot, and they're fresh, and they're fluffy, and they're good. And, I mean, you order them, and about two minutes later, you got, you know, pancake in your mouth. But that doesn't necessarily work the same way in the kingdom of God. Sometimes when we think there is a delay, it's just God moving behind the scenes. It's just God working out things on your behalf. Remember, in life, God is working with humans and working with human nature, and human nature and humans get in the way of God's plan sometimes. God's working, okay? But the reality is when there was a delay, they lost their vision. In verse 7, it said the people... They corrupted themselves. They lost sight of the vision, and when you lose sight, just as they lost sight of the vision, you become very inward focused, thinking, well, how does this affect me? I wonder if Moses is gone and wonder if God isn't working with Moses and wonder if God isn't going to bring Moses back. And and all of a sudden, we start thinking about ourselves and we start thinking about our kids and we start thinking about our future. And when we become inward-focused, we become very selfish individuals where we go, it's all about me. And this is exactly what's happened to Israel. Israel has become inward-focused. They've become selfish. They've forgotten about the God who rescued them from slavery, took them through the wilderness, split the seas, who has fed them, taken care of them, how quickly they forgot about their God because they became very inward focused and they lost sight of God's vision. When we lose sight of Jesus and his vision, we become corrupt people because we get inward focused and we think only about ourselves. And the reality is this, that the voice of the Lord becomes dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and the voice of the enemy becomes louder and louder and louder and we start looking at things like life and we start looking at church and we start looking at family and we start looking at friends and we start looking at jobs and we see it only through one perspective. How does it affect me? How does this make me happy? And I'm not very happy right now because I'm very inward focused and I'm very selfish focused and I think that maybe we have a better plan. This is what Israel is saying. God, I know you have a great plan. I know you have a great vision, God. But I think that our vision is way better. We're going to take all this gold. We're going to melt it down. We're going to make a golden calf. We're going to make an altar. Aaron's going to be our new leader. What's happened to this guy named Moses? Who knows where he's at? God, we have a better plan. So what changes this? The only thing that truly, truly changes us is when our eyes are focused clearly on Jesus and Jesus alone. And when our eyes are focused on Jesus and Jesus alone, we have a very healthy perspective about life. And our perspective about life is simply this. Jesus is coming, and he is coming soon. You know... um, When I was growing up, I grew up, my grandparents, my dad took off when I was three, and my mom just wasn't capable of handling uh, three kids, and so I ended up living with my grandparents, and um, when I was about 10 years old, my grandpa um, got diagnosed with cancer, and um, me and my grandpa, we were best friends. Every Saturday morning, we went to breakfast, and we went to breakfast with some of his old buddies, and Um, I think I knew more old people as a 10-year-old than any other 10-year-old I could have ever met, but, but I loved it. I loved going to breakfast with my grandpa and his friends and his buddies and We'd go to breakfast, and then after breakfast, we would actually go to the bank and walk inside the bank. I still do that today, I know, I know. I, you're like, why would you go inside the bank? There's no reason to just go through the drive-thru. But I would go in the bank with my grandpa, and we would go, and we would pay bills and go and do things. And if I had cleaned my room on Friday to his specifications on Saturday, we would go to Toys R Us, and I got a new G.I. Joe. Okay, So life was good on Saturday mornings with my grandpa and I enjoyed the time that we would have together, and when he was, when I was 10, he got cancer, and so I'll never forget, my grandparents sat me down one day, and they said, listen, um, you know, we're going to have to go to the hospital for a few weeks, and we don't really want you to go with us, we really don't want you to be up there, so you're going to stay here with some family and some friends and stuff, and and i really wasn't excited about that until my grandpa told me there was going to be a present every day for 30 days and i was like oh thank you jesus this is this is the glory of god right now and so you know i'll never forget day 1 you know I, my first present i opened up it was a Box of basketball cards, and I'm like, not a pack of basketball cards, or a box of basketball cards. And day two, I opened up my present, and it was a new Lego set. And day three, uh, gosh, what was day three? I think day three was uh, some like Lincoln Logs set. Anybody ever played with Lincoln Logs growing up? And uh, you know, and I and I remember, I remember it was about day I don't know nine. Day nine, I was like. When's he coming back? I don't really care about these presents. I want to feel him. I want to hug him. I want to smell his aftershave. I want to feel his scruffy beard on my face. That was about day eight, and I mean, by day twenty, I'm looking at the people who are like watching me, and I'm like, "I'm gonna murder you if you don't take me to the, you know, to the hospital." You know what I mean? And I'll never forget the day he came home. Who cares about the gifts? He's home. And I remember I just, he got home, and he was weak because he had chemo. But he gave me this big hug, and he sat in his chair, his lazy boy chair, because he had a lazy boy, and I had a lazy boy, and we would sleep in lazy boys out in the living room. And he sat in lazy boy, and I just got in his lap, and I think I, I, I probably sat there for a whole entire day. I was just glad he was home. I think sometimes we forget and we lose sight that Jesus, our Father, is soon and soon coming. And just like my grandpa, my heart burns and it yearns to grab Jesus. I can't tell you how many times I'll be in prayer or how many times I'll be in worship. And I'll feel like I just, I can feel the barrier of the presence of God, that that thin line that keeps us from eternity. And I can feel the barrier. And on my heart, I just want to cross the barrier. I just want to move. Through the barrier. I want to move through that space and that time, and I want to grab Jesus, and I want to grab him, and I want to smell him, and I want to hold him, and I want to be with him. It's what burns in my heart. And I think sometimes we quickly lose sight of the vision that Jesus is coming, and he's soon coming, and we are going to see him. But if I don't lose sight of that, I'll have a healthy perspective of life. I'll have a healthy perspective of church. I'll have a healthy perspective of my family and my friends and my job. I'll see life how God wants me to see life. You know, I get it, though. It's just like the people of Israel. How much longer? Right? Isn't that the question? I know Jesus is coming, but how much longer? Because the reality is this, we think, how much longer? Because the reality is, I I have Thanksgiving. Oh, God, thank you for Thanksgiving in a few days. I mean, seriously, (laughs) I'm ready to eat more food than any human being should ever eat on one day in their life, okay? Okay. I mean, I can taste turkey in my mouth right now, in Jesus' name, okay? Because we have Thanksgiving, and we have Christmas, and we have basketball, and we have, you know, the the Bears are playing the Packers today, and God's glory is going to shine when the Bears beat the Packers today, in Jesus' name, and it's going to be a great day at the Workmeister house. I don't know about your house, but because I know the Bengals are terrible, but, you know, I mean, so, but we have Dancing the Stars to watch, and Stranger Things, and we have school, and we have uh, work to do in the house, and we have family situations, and emails, and homework, and bosses, and, you know, you know, I just looked up the other day, I have 150 weeks until Michael graduates. And, and we have all this stuff, 350 weeks until Michael graduates. And we think, I have all this stuff to do all the time. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And we think, I know Jesus is coming back, but, but I have so much happening. When is he really, really coming back. See, God never intended us to be ignorant to seasons, okay? How many of you know what season we're in right now? This isn't a trick question, everybody, okay? I pro- fall? Thank you in Jesus' name, okay? We are all smart people in this house today. Listen, I love fall, okay? But what do we know about fall? What's coming after fall? Winter, winter, I know. Snowboarding in Jesus' name is coming, okay? Sledding's coming, come on. I mean, seriously. Listen, God gave us the seasons to know, okay, all right, we're in fall. And we enjoy fall. And I promise you, when we all go to see Jesus, you'll want to visit my mansion. Because it will be perpetually fall at my mansion all the time. Pretty trees and bushes and everything, I promise you, okay? But we know... That when we're in fall, that what is coming? Winter is coming. When winter comes, we know that spring is coming. When spring comes, we know it what? Summer is coming in Jesus' name. So God has never called us to be ignorant to the seasons and the times that we are living in. So God doesn't want us to be ignorant to the things that relates to his coming back. Amen? Okay. I'm going to read out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Okay says this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like the people that have no hope. Verse 14, since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Praise God. Praise God. We have hope. When believers in Christ Jesus die and go to heaven, thank God I'm going to see them again. I cannot wait to see a lot of friends and family and people who have gone on before me. Verse 15. I tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. Verse 16, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout and a voice of an archangel with a trumpet that that calls of God, which is just incredible because I have a friend that has a grandma and there was a kid next door that was playing the trumpet and she went outside to the front lawn and dropped to her knees and said, yes, Jesus is coming, okay? Promise you, promise you, okay? Greatest day of my life, I promise you, okay? It says this, first, the believers who have died will raise from their graves, verse 17, and then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and then we will be with the Lord forever. Can we get an amen on that in Jesus' name? Now, listen, I don't claim to have... Crazy knowledge about end times. But I can tell you that I do believe in the rapture of the church. And let me help you understand why I believe in the rapture of the church. Number one is this. In the Old Testament, we see Lot and his family. And before God brought judgment upon the city, the word says that God had to get Lot and his family out before he brought judgment. You can go to Old Testament and look that up. Number two is this. I love a man named Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody read Smith Wigglesworth? Love me some Smith Wigglesworth, okay? I'm praying and fasting for a few days, and I'm asking the Lord about the rapture. God, I want to know for me. I got to understand for me. What, what do you want me to believe? And so I'm reading a Smith Wigglesworth book, and Smith Wigglesworth starts talking about the grace and the spirit of of God. Now, where does the spirit of God dwell in, okay? Us, right, okay? So the spirit of the Lord isn't in this building. The spirit of the Lord is us. So when we come together, the spirit of the Lord, the presence of God comes together because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me and you, okay? So think about this. How in the world with all the nations of the world, okay, the leaders of the world, okay, decide to go, yeah, we're, we're good with one world order. We're good with one economy. We're good with one, just one guy leading all of us. I truly believe when the rapture happens, the spirit of the Lord is taken out of the earth. Amen? Us, the believers, go to see Jesus. The spirit of the Lord is taken out of the earth. The grace of God is taken out of the earth. And all of a sudden, we have people that have no spirit of the Lord Leading the nations of this world, Amen. Number three is this, and I, I truly do believe this. A lot of times, people say this. They'll go, "Well, I think that God's going to use the tribulation to purify people's faith." Well, I would have to go on and say this: that that to me is a crazy perspective. If I prayed today and said, "Lord," My son, Michael, who is 12 years old, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give him cancer. I need him to have cancer so he has a great perspective of you and it purifies his faith and he's in love with you in a greater way. How many of you would be like, lock that man up? He is crazy, okay? Listen, Jesus is a good father, okay? I get so furious when people go, man, God gave that poor person cancer because he wanted to teach him a lesson. No, we live in a fallen world, a sin world, okay, that has sickness in the world. Jesus never gave so-and-so sickness to purify their faith, just like he's not going to use the tribulation to purify people's faith because of this. If we had to go through the tribulation to purify our faith, that means Jesus would have to raise everybody from the grave, from the dead, who went before us, and they would would have to go through the tribulation also to purify their faith. Okay? So I believe in the rapture of the church. Now, go with me to Luke 21. I gave you Luke 21. Okay? Jesus himself is going to give us very clear instructions as it relates to Jesus coming back. Luke 21, verse 24. Okay. And it says this. Okay. He's talking about Israel right here. He said, they will be killed by the sword, and they will be sent away as captives to all the nations of the world. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the Old Testament. Israel was disobedient unto the Lord. They are sent out to the nations of the world as exiles. Okay. Some were killed. He goes on to say this. And Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the period of the Gentiles comes to end. Okay? What is God talking about right there? What is Jesus talking about right there? He's talking about 1948 when Israel is reestablished as a nation. Okay? There was a period and there was a time When the Gentiles overtook Israel, there was a period and there was a time where the Gentiles overtook Jerusalem. And then he said, there's going to be a period and there's going to be a time where this will reign. But there will come a day and there will come a time. Jesus said, there will come a day and there will come a time where this will no longer go on. Okay, so what happens? Israel made a nation in 1948. Okay, Then we have what? Jerusalem won back in 1967. Okay? So what is Jesus telling the church, us, the believers? He's saying, listen, this is your timepiece. When you see these things come to pass, you'll know the season and the time that you are now moving into. Okay, verse 25 says this, there will be strange signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. You will hear about natural, uh, you'll hear on the earth of natural tensions and turmoils, perplexed by the roaring seas, the strange tides. Okay, how many of you recognize we've had some crazy things going on in the heavenlies? Okay, I mean, we have... We have blood red moons that are happening on Feast and Tabernacle. We have, um, we have the Bethlehem star, okay? The Bethlehem star who has not showed up in 2,000 years, showed up last year right over Israel, right over Jerusalem, okay? We had, um, what did we have? We had the solar eclipse. The solar eclipse went down right over Israel, right over. Over Jerusalem, the sun, the stars, the earth is travailing. It's telling us what is happening. Jesus is soon and soon coming. Goes on to say this, verse 26. The people will be terrified at what they see coming Upon the earth, what is people doing right now? They're freaking out about global warming. They're freaking out about the, you know, what's happening in the world. It goes on to say this, the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Verse 27 says this, then everyone will see the Son of Man come down in a cloud with power and great glory. Verse 28, so when you see these things begin to happen, stand up, look, for your salvation is near. Verse 29, then he gave them this illustration. Notice the fig tree. What is the fig tree? When Jesus is talking about the fig tree, he's talking about Israel. Okay? He says, notice the fig tree. Watch Israel. Israel is what we keep our eyes focused on. He says, notice the fig tree or any other tree. When these leaves come out, you will know within you, and you, you will know without being told that, that summer is near. So what is Jesus talking about? He's talking about Israel, and he's talking about Jerusalem. He's going, watch Israel, watch Jerusalem. Watch Israel become a nation. Watch Israel be reestablished. And know when these things happen, summer is coming. Okay? It goes on to say this. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you will know that the kingdom of God is near. Verse 32, this is, the, this is the promise. Verse 32, I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things have taken place. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, when you see Jerusalem reestablished, there's your timepiece. Somebody from 1967 is going to see the coming of the Lord. This is Jesus' promise to us. He says, this generation, this generation that sees these things come to pass. Listen, people, you gotta you gotta get this, okay? We have Russia, we have Iran, we have Turkey. We have all these nations, and what are they doing? They're on the doorsteps of Israel right now. They got thousands of rockets and missiles. They are ready. What are they ready for? They're ready for what is called the Ezekiel 38 war. The rapture of the church happens, and war is going to break out. Do you know that there's 167 different species of birds that have flown To Israel from around the world in the last probably five years, scientifically speaking. Why are they coming to Israel? Because in Ezekiel 38, the Bible says that he sends the birds of the air to take up all the death to clean up all the land with the birds of the air. Listen, I'm not here to tell you that I know the exact day, the exact week, the exact month that Jesus is coming. But I'm smart enough to understand if somebody from that generation is going to see the coming of the Lord, that time is ticking, and it is ticking fast. So what does that mean to us? It means this, that I have clear vision of Jesus, and that Jesus is coming, and Jesus is coming soon. And I have clear understanding that I have been chosen, you have been chosen to live in this little tiny sliver of time on planet earth right before you and I and your kids see Jesus come back. You've been picked. You've been chosen to be here at this time. You have breath in your lungs for a divine reason. To serve the kingdom of God right before Jesus comes back. So if I have a very clear view and picture that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who I am excited to see is coming soon, then what? I change a lot about my life. My life looks a lot different. My motivations, my passions my desires, the way that I look at life, the way that I look at my church, the way that I look at these things. I look at church, I look at life, and I go, God, what can I do for you? Jesus, how do you want to use me? Jesus, I know that you're coming back, and listen, can we, can we just, can we, can I just be real? Listen, we, we don't need to raise up a church that has a thousand different perspectives about how church needs to be done can we just raise up a church that says we're going to lift up the name of Jesus we're going to worship the name of Jesus we're going to do our best to teach the word of God we're going to do our best to raise up sheep we're going to do our best to raise up lambs we're going to do our best but we're going to keep our focus and our focus is going to be on Jesus and Jesus alone and we're going to go fishing people We're going to go fishing in this world. We're going to catch people who are far away from Jesus, who are addicted. We're going to find people who think they know Jesus. We're going to find people that knew Jesus one time, and now they don't know Jesus anymore. We're going to find big ones. We're going to find small ones. I was out in the lobby before service, and we had four or five babies out there, and I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, that we're a church that gets to raise up the next generation. Thank you, Jesus, that we're a church that gets to believe in the coming generation. I I believe 100% inside of me that my kids are on planet earth right now before Jesus comes so they can make an impact into the kingdom of God. Can we just make it about Jesus? Can we just keep our eyes focused on him and go, yes, there's a delay. But I know that I know that I know because I have an inward witness called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is telling me over and over again, Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. And when I hear the Holy Spirit talk to me and I hear the witness inside of me, I go, God, what can I do? What can I do? How can I serve? How can I serve? What can I do? how can I stand? Listen, Israel's job was to get in line with Moses. Israel's job was to say Moses is the leader that God has anointed, and so we're going to stand with Moses, and we're going to follow Moses. Listen, I'm not a perfect leader. I'm not a perfect pastor. I don't do everything right, but God has anointed me and my wife to lead this church and to lead it right before Jesus comes back, and we need people who will stand with us and go, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Jeff, what can What can I do to reach? What can I do to help you fish? What can I help you do right before Jesus comes back? Jesus. Jesus is coming. And I can feel in my soul people who are crying out. They're going, "I I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where my eternity lies. I won't, I won't, I am not going to retreat. We're going to go forward. And we're going to be the church that preaches the Word of God and the full Word of God. And we're going to see people healed. Bodies healed, marriages healed, lives healed. We're going to see young people passionately in love with Jesus. We're going to see our kids growing up. Oh, man, I can't wait. I can't wait to see our kids laying hands on the sick and, and getting people saved. I can't wait. Why don't you stand on up? Worship team, come on up this morning. If I have a correct view, then I understand that it's like a football game and we're in the two minute warning. Right? In the two minute warning, everything becomes very focused it's amazing like if a quarterback throws an interception with the last two minutes of the game when there's a chance to win the game they crucify him the next day right? They don't care if he throws an interception in the first quarter because we got a bunch of time left. But when we throw an interception with two minutes left in the game, it's costly. So if we understand that we are in this sliver of time right before Jesus comes back, then we have to know and understand that I'm on the planet for a purpose and a reason right before Jesus came back. And I have to understand that I attend Elevate Church. I'm a part of Elevate Church because God has put me there for a divine purpose and a divine reason right before Jesus comes back. And from that moment, I have to start asking questions. God, does my life line up with the way it needs to for you to come back? Because we got to get focused. We're talking about eternity. And, and I truly believe this. I, I told this to somebody. I said, I I purposely, purposely have friends. Who are not believers number one to try to reach them but number two to keep a healthy perspective because I think this happens in church we're all believers and we're all going to heaven we're all like man all my friends we're all good we're fine I'm gonna see Melissa there I'm going to see Adam there he's gonna have that great hat on when I see him at the pearly gates you know what I mean right I think sometimes it's healthy to have this perspective that listen, there are millions and millions of people who are dying and on their way to hell unless we get in their way. This city needs us. This city needs a church that will believe in the whole entire Bible, front to back, and preach the word and get people saved and not just get them saved, but have them live the victorious life that God has called them to live. And that doesn't just take me and Jess. It takes all of us. Amen? Come on, grab a hand next to you. Let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that by your spirit you would just give us a really, really healthy perspective of time and how we use time, and how we see time, and how we deal with time. God, give us a healthy perspective of what you're doing in the earth and how we are a part of it. God, give us a healthy perspective of what this church is called to do and how we can help and support and and go fishing. Father, give us the opportunity to fish. Give us the opportunity to believe in people. Give us the opportunity to give people hope and to give them life and to give them a future. Father, we love you. We love you. Come on. Raise your hands. Let's worship the Lord.